Hello and welcome to the Shea Honey podcast featuring women who have made creative career change. In today's episode, I am delighted to be talking to the brilliant Emily Ash Powell. We chat about the start of her working life in Topshop, the dog food startup, redundancy, and later temporary contract maternity covers in Amsterdam. I hope you enjoy it. Emily, welcome to the Shea Honey podcast uh, featuring women who have made creative career change. Could you begin by telling us a little bit about yourself? Hi, thank you um, so much for having me. I'm so happy to be in Shea Honey. It's so uh, lovely and cosy here. Um, I've already immediately forgotten the question that you asked me because I just focus so much on saying a nice thing. <laughs> That's right. Could you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so my name's Emily Ash Powell. I'm a writer and a creative leader. I am from Wales originally, South Wales, which you could probably hear in my accent. Um, and I moved to London when I was 21 um, to join a dog food startup that I had absolutely no idea about whatsoever. <laughs> accidentally uncovered a whole career being a writer and a brand person and a creative person for startups and direct-to-consumer brands. And yeah, outside of work, I'm a person who really, really loves Taylor Swift. And I feel like people are embarrassed by that for me. And, you know, when it's themselves, <laughs> I love her so much. And I think she's the greatest writer of our generation. I also love dogs so much. And I currently live in Amsterdam. Cool. And and for the purposes of people listening who won't be able to see this, but um, Emily is has the most amazing backdrop behind her, which is this kind of, um, I don't know how to describe it, a very steeply pitched um, roof, I guess. It kind of looks like, <laughs> I guess it kind of looks like the inside of a teepee, but it's not. Yes. It's a canal house, which I am currently living in because we moved to Amsterdam for a temporary contract that I had. And we both decided we were here for a good time, not for a long time. So we got the cool flat, which cost more money than we could afford. So <laughs> spare room so that all of our friends and family could come and stay and have a free trip to Amsterdam so this this is why I'm in the weird TP. it's yeah. cool it's really cool I love it um okay so you've mentioned a little bit about your career but maybe you could tell us a little bit more detail about um how you got into kind of your copywriting work and where the dog food startup <laughs> led you to <laughs> yeah, who even knew that selling dog food on the internet was <laughs> oh, definitely not me um, so I always loved English and I always loved words. I My dad was an English teacher when I was growing up. My mum was a French teacher. Both of them instilled a love of language in me. Well, I, maybe it was compulsory, actually. Um, <laughs> and when I was um, doing my GCSEs, I just, like, it was only words that I cared about. I picked, like, all the languages, like, English language, did media studies, I did history, anything that was basically, like, about, like, writing things or saying things was what I wanted to do. Um, and at the same time, I also, I had, I managed to get the dream Saturday job in the Holland High World, which was a Topshop girl. I got a four hour shift in Topshop in my local town of Bridgend. And it was just like, it still is the best job I've ever, ever had in my life. <laughs> I'll never compare against it, um, compared to it rather. Um, so I went to, I was doing my A-levels and they, I was doing like English and French and or, or philosophy, I think, mm. um, all right, writing things and I was like what am I gonna do at uni I had no idea what I wanted to do or even where I wanted to be and in the end I just was like I want to be by the sea <laughs> so I picked Swansea uni which was like I don't know like less than an hour from my parents house um and I did an English degree there 
and I pretty much chose it because it had like the least amount of lectures possible. <laughs> I knew that I loved reading and I knew that I could write about things that people have written. And at the same time, I also had that job in Topshop. I transferred to Swansea um, so I could work there. And I spent all of my time at uni pretty much just working. I did the minimum amount of work that I could possibly do to get away with doing my degree. And I just was always on the shop floor instead. I just, that's where I felt comfortable, like convincing people to buy things. I'm like such a talker. Um, I could just talk anyone into buying anything. And it was just, <laughs> just such a joy to be like, oh, we have to sell X amount of things today. And then I'd be like, okay, got it. Or someone would be like, we need to get rid of all those shoes today. And I'd be like, I'll sell them. It's fine. And I just loved it, loved it, loved it. Yeah. And it was only, I didn't even, I didn't know that copywriting was a job at all, but I basically since realized that like, copywriting is the perfect like middle of the Venn diagram of mm. those things I'm so obsessed with which was like convincing people to buy things and also like loving words and loving what they did and I, I just didn't know it was a job but it now looking back feels so obvious that it's what mm. I should have done but nobody knew like I remember going to a careers advisor and I think anyone who's a copywriter or a writer will say this now but it's like you'd go to a careers advisor and they're like oh what do you want to do and I'd be like oh English and they'd be like great you can be an English teacher or a <laughs> And you're like, okay, well, I don't actually want to be either of those things. What can I do? And then I'm like, well, I don't know. And you're like, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Like not many people can become an author. So it was like, you know, that was kind of what they said I could do. But I did English anyway, because I figured that I could always do something else if mm. I wanted to. Um, so I, when I graduated, I just kind of applied for any job that was something to do with writing. For a while, I thought maybe I did want to become a journalist, but I found that I, I was so I felt like I knew what kinds of stories I wanted to tell and I wasn't sure, convinced that I'd be able to tell ones that I didn't want to tell if that mm. makes sense yeah and I didn't feel like I had that in me I feel like I'm very driven by what I love and what I'm passionate about and, and I felt like if I was given a beat that I wasn't passionate about I wouldn't be able to deliver on it mm. um, so I basically just started applying for like every single editorial social media job at all in London I can remember I have this um I make fun of my friend Matthew about this all the time but when I was at uni I was always like posting on Instagram when it was like first a thing and it was like the first time that the app was even anywhere and I remember my friend Matthew being like you know you spend so much time on social media you know you're never going to turn that into a job like you're never gonna... <laughs> I remember now I'm always like Matthew do you remember when you said that he's like yes I remember when I said actually it's nice saying that but anyway Matthew, if you're listening, I told you. Um, he won't be listening. Um, I, yeah, so I just applied for every single editorial social job in London that I could possibly think of. I did a, I stayed on a friend's sofa for like two weeks whilst I did like a press office internship at Oasis, which I was able to do because Topshop was part of that network. Apart yeah. from the, so I had like an in there. So I did that and I was like, oh, I don't think I want to, work in a press office but it's one step closer to being like oh I'm in retail now for a brand that I love is there like a head office version of this job that I could do someday I also was just so like oh I love retail I love selling things like maybe that's what I want to do maybe I want to climb the top shop ladder and maybe that was something I want to do but kept on applying for things anyway that felt like they were the right things to do and I had this call from a recruiter. So, you you know, like when you're on LinkedIn and it was like social media executive and it was like unknown job or whatever. Yeah. I just so many of those. And eventually my name got put like on a recruiter's list. 
and I got this call and this lovely recruiter whose name was Yasmin and she and I are still in touch now actually she checks in now and again she's like oh my god look at you and I'm like oh look at you it's so nice she's now like founded her own recruitment business she's so lovely um she basically was like Emily I have two questions for you um the first one is do you want to work at a startup and I was like I don't know what that is but sure I will take anything at this point and her, she was like my second question is uh how do you feel about dogs and I was like and, and I think I just like word vomited and I was like I love dogs <laughs> I love dogs so much. <laughs> how do I tell you how much I love dogs I literally I'm obsessed with them um and I had a ton of interviews with this play with this company that was a tiny startup at the time in um tiny little office above the Holland and Barrett on George Street, which is the high street in Richmond, just in London. And about like a month later, after a very long, arduous process, um, I became the like the 31st or something employee to join the brand that is now known as Tails.com, which is a oh. pet food company, is subscription. Um, and that basically meant that I went there as a social media exec. I wrote all their copy for their social channels I came up with like ideas for content which basically loosely translated to me just walking around the office all the time playing with the dogs filming the dogs trying to turn it into something funny um and then after that I gradually write it began writing more of their copy eventually became a copywriter it was a title that I then had and figured out that that was a job that it was and I there was no one else there who knew how to be a copywriter so I was like okay well and I think I ended up running up loads of like credit card debt, booking courses and workshops because I was like, I have to learn how to do this. As soon as I was aware of like what this job was, I was like, mm. I have to make it mine. So I went to all these workshops and talks and like sessions and various different things, met more copywriters and eventually became a copywriter. And now it's what I do. And somewhere along the way, I then got like became a head of copy and then a head of creative and I just feel unbelievably lucky that I accidentally fell into this path which just kind of feels like exactly what I should have been doing all along that's amazing um and when because you got to a point where things your career had kind of moved on quite quickly and then you got to a point where things weren't so good. So maybe you can talk to us a little bit about that and how you knew it was time um, to make a change. Yeah, so I, so as I had said, so basically accidentally became like a bit of a specialist in startups and uh, direct-to-consumer, also known as D2C in the acronym world, uh, D2C brands. And I'd done a couple. So I'd also worked for an ad agency for like two years and where I really learned how to actually be a good copywriter. So it's like mm-hmm. writing for the boring brands as well as like the fun brands. So, and I think that's really where you learn to be a good writer because you're forced to make something uninteresting. Yeah. And that's actually what's interesting for me when you're like, oh, I had to write this email to get somebody to pay their TV license. You're like, How, what a dry thing to do. And you're like, well, actually, no, like if you're persuading people to click and do like the thing that they really, really don't want to do, like, okay, you, you've done your job well. So I always loved that. So from there, I got asked to join another startup that was at its launch, pre-launch uh, phase. We didn't have like a name, we didn't have a product or anything. And I, I joined and basically like created a brand, like tone of voice for them, um, which they still use today, which is really cool. And I did that for two years, was there for a really long time. And well, that doesn't sound like a really long time, but in startup years where you're building and doing those things, it feels like a decade because it's so intense. It's so 
it's like your whole life you basically like I feel like there's a reason why you don't see like people with children that often at startups because it just does not lend itself to a life where mm. where you have where you're it where you put anything first other than the thing that you're trying to build mm. and it's really tough so after two years there I was like I can't I just can't put all my time and energy into this anymore I can't keep building this I have to go and do something else so I went freelance um and was working for some really cool brands that I really loved and, and still love and two of them asked me to go in-house and work for them. And I was like, no, I want to be freelance. And then it was just an offer that I couldn't refuse in the end. And also I had a mortgage to like remortgage. Mm. Actually, okay, I'm going to take a full-time job. That, that makes sense. And I got pulled in to be their head of copy, which was really amazing. And I was like, oh, this is such a dream role. This is so great. And then somewhere along the way, after about a year or so there, they promoted me from head of copy to head of brand and creative, which was an amazing opportunity and I at the time was like I'm so flattered and wow this is an amazing like growth opportunity like what I don't know how to do this job but like I'm going to give it everything that I've got to try and figure out how to do it um but the job was given to me at a time where the company was in like a really weird strategic place where they didn't really know what they wanted from head of brand we were going through a rebrand which they've since undone it's super weird right weird time and I basically was just in a situation where I felt really, really miserable. And I didn't feel, because there was so much work that we were doing and I was like producing like deck after deck that I'd put so much time and thought and energy into being like, this is the campaign we're going to do, or this is the rebrand, this is the direction for this. And those things were just kind of, because the company was in a really weird time where they were making redundancies left, right and center. Everything I was working on really hard for that was like the goal at the time. Those things were just kind of like, fritter away and I just was like I don't feel like anything I'm doing means anything I remember at one point saying to my boss who was the CMO who's an absolutely amazing woman who I love so much I was like I feel like my job is a mock exam like I'm just doing it and it just doesn't matter it just doesn't matter I don't I didn't feel like I was adding any value and I just thought it was a waste of my energy yeah I'm a person that I think I mentioned this earlier like I'm so driven by the things that really excite me that get me out of bed in the morning. So when you you have that energy and that desire in you and it can't there's nowhere for it to go or you put it into something and then it's just like doesn't come to anything. It's mm. so demotivating. Yeah. I got to the point where I I knew I definitely knew it was time to move on when I was like I just not going into the office. Such a people person. And I just wanted to work from home all the time. I found it really, really hard to get out of bed in the morning. And I just had lost like that feeling of purpose and excitement. And to be honest, novelty. This is a thing that I've really struggled with actually in the last couple of years. I've always been a person that's very driven by novelty. I find it, I love novelty. I'm like, that's new, that's shiny, let's go. Mm. And I've always been really um, like self-conscious and a little bit embarrassed about that. But then I've recently realized that I actually think it's my superpower. I think it's what makes me good at what I do. And mm. contracting and staying at places for a year or so is perfect for someone who's drive driven by novelty because I can give it my all completely. And then once it wears off, it's some time to go. And then that's when yeah. you know. um but as soon as that was gone, I just knew that it was time for me to go as well. But I was determined 
to stay longer and I thought that I needed to continue to prove myself within that title of head of branding creative and I was like no I need to do it for a year I need to no I need to do it for 18 months and the longer I held on the worse I felt and eventually I had what I think I probably would now describe as burnout yeah and it ended in a bit of a breakdown where I just didn't get out of bed for a week which is not like me at all um I was just crying all the time and I couldn't yeah. explain why I was just like I just feel so unhappy I don't yeah. I just feel trapped and it's like looking back it's so obvious and we so my husband and I would do he was actually then my boyfriend we would do to go um to Lisbon with our friends for the weekend and I was like I don't want to go like I, I don't think I'm in the right place to go I don't I don't think it's the right thing to do and he was like like if you're gonna lie in bed like staring out the window you might as well do it where there's like a nice view outside <laughs> yeah yeah like oh okay (laughs) so we went um we went and you know he was like oh uh do you good to have some sun like it was like may or something but it was still like kind of shit weather in the uk um so we went to lisbon he like pretty much dragged me there yeah i think he even like packed my suitcase or something he's a keeper Um, yeah i mean um he yeah so we went and we ended up having this amazing time and it took me a couple of days to get into it and I you know she's one of my closest friends she, she's actually my cousin but she's my best friend mm. and we talked about it loads and loads and loads and they all just were like what are you doing like you have to leave your job you have to quit your job and I was like oh it's, it's so obvious yeah. it's so stupid but when you and the, the minute I had decided that I like felt like things just like physically lift like out yeah. of my body and it isn't it amazing where like when you half half of making a giant change is actually just even recognizing that you need to make one and once you've kind of made that decision I'm going to make this change it things feel so much easier but that's like the big hurdle sometimes to be like oh do I what why do I feel unhappy oh it's because I need to make a change and like whoa whoa yeah or even if you know you need to make a change but you don't know what change it is it's really and I think also having somebody external see it as well and and say to you well what are you doing you need to make a change it seems really obvious to them but you kind of almost need that validation from someone else don't you that that you're not just imagining this this is this is true and you really do need to get out of it and hearing other people say it I think sometimes that can be definitely I always think when I when I am making like a really big decision I always test it against somebody who knows me really really well and somebody Mm. who barely does Mm. I think that those two perspectives help me figure it out so someone who knows me really really well will be like oh yeah obviously you need to do this or oh I don't think that will suit you yeah I will know my reaction to that as to whether I think I agree with them or disagree with them yeah and then also somebody new will give you something completely like objective where Mm. they kind of in like it's almost like the theory and the like the reality yeah yeah like they'll give you the theory they're like oh yeah that does sound like Oh yeah, I guess like from where I'm standing, that sounds like a good thing to do. And I think that's a useful balance for me normally. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so once you've made that decision that you needed to 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 leave that that role, how did you then start to sort of make that plan or put in place a plan? Um, because I guess at that point you didn't necessarily have one, you just knew that you wanted to leave. Um, so what happened after that and how did you kind of um yeah, proceed with it? Well, like like I said, I as soon as I had identified that A, I needed to make a change and B, exactly what that change was, I was like, okay, let's go. Like, I'm just, 
But once something feels right to me, I'm very much like, let's spring into action. My mum is exactly the same. We both mm. very um and I remember being in Lisbon and like scrolling through Google Calendar and being like, okay, so I have a three-month notice period. So if I want to quit, I need to quit on this day and also have X amount. I was like going through like the HR software app that I had. And it's like, so I have X amount of days left. I'm also owed this amount in toil. So like time off and loo. So yeah. you know, I need I need this and that. So this is the perfect date to resign. I was like, okay, that's the day. And I put it in my diary where I was like, I'm gonna resign on this day. And I like invited my husband to it even to be like, Emma's resigning on this day. Um <laughs> so we both knew and I was like held accountable for it Um, and I also knew that so also I think it's worth noting so at this time I was also off work for like a week I was signed off work for I think two weeks because I just like had this kind of breakdown and my boss who was absolutely amazing and such a champion of well just anyone um she was the one that was like oh I think you need to go to the doctors don't you and I was like oh do I okay yeah okay maybe I do she really really like was like you need to take some time and you need to figure this out so whilst I was off on that two weeks it was like I'd figured out the date so it was the following Thursday so I was like okay I need to go I'll be going in on next Monday and then next Thursday I will resign and I'm like okay that's the date I'm really excited about it that's perfect and then the Thursday before I had this email, this delicious email, um, that told me that my role was up for redundancy. <laughs> and I just remember reading it because also what had happened. So I had the email, um, which I hadn't seen. So this email was in my inbox and I woke up. It was like the Friday, it was like the Thursday morning. I woke up at like, I don't know, half past 10 or something in my bed in my flat in London um, because I was off and I was just trying to sleep and like look after myself and just rest and listen to my body a bit. And I woke up to all these like missed calls from a number I didn't know and all these texts from the chairman of the company being like, hi, Emily, like, it's really important that you read your email. And I was like, what? What? The, what? I'm off. Like, leave me alone. Like, what's going on? And he basically was like, I really wanted to just do this in person, but now or over the phone, but I had to send you an email, not the way I wanted to do it. So really, really sorry, but I couldn't get hold of you. And I was like, I'm really sorry, but I was actually sleeping. <laughs> um, um check my email and it was like I think the subject line said something like um potential changes and it was the third round of redundancies that they've made in like a year so it wasn't really a surprise though at the same time it was because I think you sort of think after that amount of redundancies you're like oh surely they're not going to make any more but you're like okay then I don't know mm. a red flag that I just didn't wasn't aware of because it's in such a weird place um but yeah they sent like a plan round um with the proposed structure my role wasn't in it my boss's role wasn't in it which was crazy and I like phoned her immediately and I was like what the hell and she was like what the hell (laughs) um and I literally read that email and I was in the flat on my own and I just like screamed like this scream of joy and I was like oh my god I am the luckiest person in the world I have got to leave a job without doing any of the emotional or annoying admin that comes with resigning for a job where you're like really worried about writing my notice letter yeah I've got to tell everyone oh I've got to do this I've got to work a notice period I've got to do that and then I'm going to do a handover and all these things and I just didn't have to do any of it and I just was like oh my god I I'm just so happy (laughs) just so happy (laughs) my dad and I was like I just got made redundant (laughs) sure that you know what you're saying you sound so happy um and I was I just was so happy I couldn't believe it I felt so free and it meant that I had my notice period was three months Mm. 
which when you're thinking about resigning feels like a very, very long yes. But when you're getting made redundant, it is like really lovely. And I had barely taken any holiday off as well. So I got that. I got three months of my salary paid. Plus, I think it ended up being like 10 days or something of holiday that I just hadn't taken that was yeah. so I had that paid too. And it meant that I could spend the summer figuring out what I wanted and and actually taking the time and care to go, okay, what makes sense as a next move for me? Not going, ah, I need to earn yeah. money. I need a job. I have to do something. Um, so I spent the summer, well, I ran, went to Vegas and got married, which was Yeah, like, that's amazing. Anyway, <laughs> so we did that and I didn't have to take any time off for it, which was great. Yeah. Um, so I did that and then I came home and I spent a bunch of time writing more seriously on my sub stack and growing that and figuring out what like a little corner of the internet I wanted to spa- take up space in. And yeah, that's how it happened. But I also had done like, it, I'm making it sound now that like I was like everything was done for me it was so great but I'd also done practical things so in the in the window between me deciding I was going to leave and putting the um so then I also put that resign today thing in my diary and then getting made redundant I'd also done things like I'd redesigned my website um just to like so it was fresh and everything yeah. I'd like taking a bunch of work like off like the shared folders that I knew I wanted to put in my portfolio I'd like started putting some feelers out for freelance roles so that people knew I was like maybe going to be available again Mm. and I just did things like I did this before when I was leaving the um the startup that I was at for two years the really high intensity one and when I left there I found it so hard because that place had been like my identity for two years Mm. Down the tone of voice, it felt really personal, even though it's always just business. It felt super personal. And when I left there, I was like, I don't know what I want. If this isn't me, what is? Oh, like what a silly, like ridiculous place to be in. But it, it's really hard when you when you work for something that is all consuming. It's yeah. hard to yourself from it sometimes. Um, so I'd what I'd done is that I'd done like a personal brand values exercise with myself that I would do if I was building a brand for a business. And I like had figured out like five things that were important to me. And I was like, okay, this is my litmus test. Like anytime I take a new opportunity, they have to measure against at least four out of five of these. Otherwise it's not the right decision. So I revisited them um, just before I got made redundant. And I was like, let me test my current situation against these. And I was like, it doesn't take any of the boxes. <laughs> it's like this, what am I doing? Why did I, yeah. why did I let this go on for so long? Cause it was first, but things change and sudden what's meant for you begin with isn't always what's for you at the end and and that's fine like you, you can yeah. leave anything yeah you always can so I'd done that exercise too which was really really helpful so I basically like felt like a bit of a phoenix coming from in the flames where I was like okay I'm leaving this job but now I know exactly what I want yeah. next even if so like if you've been in a place for a really long time you sometimes get like an amazing redundancy package that's like I don't know like a year of salary or something like crazy like that but even a notice period, salary can just give you a moment to yeah. pull, like time. It's a buffer, isn't it? It's like and, and also you'd prepared yourself for yeah. leaving anyway. So it was kind of yeah, a, a amazing opportunity to to you were in the right headspace for it and it gave you that kind of um time and a, a bit of financial security to sort of figure out what was next um it's really hard because lots of people so there were a lot of people who got made redundant at the same time as me and for them like a lot of those people had I've, I've tried to be careful about this now because I was truly so overjoyed by being made redundant yeah. 
it's like one of the best feelings I've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> Great. But for so many people, it just, it was the opposite. Like, yes, I know that, that people that I was very close to at that place, like their world, like was like torn apart by this news and yeah, it was so sad. And so that, you know, when I spoke to people about it at work, I probably should have had an Oscar for best actress of being like, yes, I, well, I was very shocked. And, and you know, because also you just, you know, a lot of people are in different situations too. Yeah really really difficult and there are people especially at startups who have like been there since the start and a lot of the people who work there they feel like they're family and they it's such a community and so when you're leaving you're like yeah. god like it's actually my whole life it's my friendship yeah. all there like I met my husband at my first job most of my friends from London are from my first job yeah. like if it wasn't for that job I wouldn't have had so much of what I have today and yeah. a lot of the people at that place that I got made redundant from were in the same boat and I felt really guilty for having the reaction that I did yeah. but not to have that reaction to them whilst they were yeah. going. Now that's really hard I think um, and obviously now because we mentioned this at the start that you are now in currently in Amsterdam mm -hmm. so um, talk to us about the role that you're currently doing and how that came about and uh, how you kind of made the decision to to make the move. Um, so the role I'm doing now, so I'm Global Head of Creative at Tony Chocoloni, which is truly one of the greatest brands. On the I top. love it. My favourite chocolate, I think. Aww. I'm not just saying that because I'm talking <laughs> to you. <laughs> Everyone does say that. It's so good. Like that, It's an amazing brand. It's an amazing mission. But the other thing is, is like, it's a really great product. It is mm. it's chocolate. Problematically so. Like It's so delicious. <laughs> yes. I have half a stone since working at the top. <laughs> I've been there for six months. It was not okay. But I'm I'm so happy. So who cares? Um, so I so this is a maternity cover. So I'm doing this job for six months. I leave at the end of February, um, yeah. and I met the current head of creative, the one who is currently on maternity leave. Her name is Emma, and she's amazing. She and I were introduced to each other. The 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 startup and direct to consumer world is very small. Everybody knows each other. It's like like it it just really is like a melting pot of people who all either know each other or know somebody like the six degrees of separation at least yeah. two or three I think um so Emma and I got um introduced to each other when I started being head of brand and creative um in my previous role and she joined Tony's in that same role here what well, head of creative here and we got put together by a mutual friend that were like oh you guys are doing really similar jobs you're really similar people you should just chat and I've always had this thing where so whatever job I've had I've been very fortunate to have had like either a mentor or somebody who's either done my job before I have or someone who's currently doing it now and I try really hard to find people um either that are already in my circle or that are some that are like slightly out of it because I think it's only ever a useful thing to just have mm -hmm. an hour or so with somebody maybe even just once a month where you're like oh hey like I'm currently doing this thing now like have you ever gone through this? And they're like, oh yeah, that happened to me like a couple of months ago. Or, mm. oh no, but let's like talk about it anyway. Yeah, definitely. Like a couple of people who I regularly am in touch with for things like that. It's kind of like a co-mentoring thing where you're on the same level. And like, I, I also mentor junior copywriters, um, two of who are like absolutely amazing. Um, just because I think it's always useful to be talking to other people who are either doing your job, who have already done your job, and it's just amazing. Anyway, sorry, that's a waffle. So Emma and I got put together like that because um, my friend knew that I'm always looking for people like that. And Emma and I used to catch up every other Friday on a lunchtime, 
where I was like, I'm going through this thing at the moment. We're going through a rebrand and it's really chaotic. It's like really difficult to get this signed off or the agency just aren't delivering on this thing. Like, what do you think? And she'd be like, oh, I'm currently like, I'm just an example, like finding it really difficult to get really great insights in a creative brief or different different things like that. And we just chat them through. So she knew that I was, I was, I'd kind of talked to her in one of our sessions. She was like, oh, how are you? And I was like, oh, I'm kind of thinking about, leaving like I feel a bit unhappy I think maybe I need to go freelance again and and then eventually I like all these things happened and I told her and she was like what's going on we haven't like caught up in ages is everything okay and I was like oh well actually lots has gone on I had uh, basically a breakdown and um I also got made redundant which is amazing because I was going to quit anyway and she was like oh my god this is so great and I was like yeah I'm just kind of figuring out what to do next and at one point I think I said something like I don't suppose you want any like copy support at Tony's DM and she was like no but I don't want to interview to be my mat leave cover because I'm pregnant and I was like oh my god you're pregnant this is so exciting I'm so happy for you um and she was like yeah we're gonna be opening up the application soon like you should put your name forward so we did and I had like a ton of interviews with them all all remote and I got offered the job for six month contract to cover her and they were like oh yeah so thing is like the team are based in Amsterdam and we'd love the person who looks after the creative team to also be based in Amsterdam are you up for it and I was like oh I mean I have to talk to my husband I have a husband now (laughs) that was like a responsible thing (laughs) I we'd had like such a difficult couple of years with like various different like life things and work things Mm. and I just came off that call and was like hey so he basically offered me this job um but they've said that it's in Amsterdam and they've said that they'd sponsor my visa and yours too do you fancy going to Amsterdam for six months and he literally was like yes <laughs> before I'd even finished the thing, yeah yes um and we have we so we'd already talked about like do we want to be somewhere out of London for a bit like what do we want to yeah. do be um and it just felt like this complete gift of like I'd be made redundant there's no way I honestly think that had I not been made redundant and I was working at that company and they were going and I was looking at jobs and there was like this one's in Amsterdam I think there's two things I think I wouldn't have applied for a job that was in a different country no I was already out and I also think that had it been a permanent job and not a contract job I don't think I'd have applied for it either because it would have felt like a really big permanent change like to up your entire life and move yeah which feels like a really big thing whereas being like well we know it has an end date so if we hate it if we love it oh it's only six months but then you figure it out and that so that's kind of how we went into it and I was actually saying to um, my husband it literally feels feels like such a novelty thing to say that I cannot get used to it at all but (laughs) this weekend I was like I honestly just feel so lucky that I met someone like you that was also just so happy to be like let's just figure it out let's just try what what's the worst that can happen we have to fly home oh it's a 45 minute flight like yeah it's so we just said yes and we just said we'll figure it out we and we did like we just did it like I think it was two months after I'd been off the job we were living in Amsterdam and feeling happier than ever cycling to work yeah. in the sun because that was August it's not yeah. <laughs> and we just yeah I just think what's meant for you will not pass you by my dad always says that and it's yeah. just you just if 
and I think if you just operate with a yeah why not what's the worst you'll be surprised by what comes your way I think the what's the worst thing that could happen um sort of way of thinking about things is is works really well and I it's something I've definitely started to do quite a lot recently because it's easy to just talk yourself out of things isn't it but equally if you kind of sit down and think well okay what what would actually be the worst thing that could happen as you say in your in in your situation it was well we're only going to be there for a short period of time or we can fly home in 45 minutes or or whatever and it just makes you look at things in a in a slightly different way I'm Um, also quite a catastrophizer anyway I like okay often will literally imagine all of the worst things that are going to happen. And like, okay. so many, when we were moving, I was like, oh, what if everyone dies? <laughs> it's like, what if all of my grandparents die and we're out here and it's all my fault? And Johnny was like, okay, but why would it be your fault unless <laughs> you actually murdered them? And I was like, yeah, no, I know. But, and, but it's all those things. And I think sometimes I think that I like have become a much more anxious person in the last like, couple of years. And my brain is always like, but what if this happens? And what if this mm. happens? Oh, and this person's going to hate you. And what are you going to do? But I actually sometimes find that helpful because I almost like, oh, well, I've already thought of what the worst things are. And yes. okay with them. Or I talk myself out of them. Yeah. So, there we go. No, that makes so much sense. Um, I'm really interested in the kind of temporary nature of of doing a maternity cover because um, I'm also doing a maternity cover at the moment. Mm. And mine goes on until uh well sort of mid-July um and I kind of took it for similar reasons to you it was kind of like I'm I'm making a change doing something different okay this is not permanent but so what actually does is that you know does that mean is that the worst thing to do and and I'm feeling quite content in that at the moment and even the uncertainty of it you know it feels good but I'm interested to know kind of what your thoughts are on on like you know what might be next for you or you maybe don't know the answer to that and probably don't even need to know the answer to that but yeah thoughts on on a temporary job and and doing a maternity cover I have loved it it's the first time I've done other than just like freelancing on like a couple of projects for things um or like being like ad hoc support for somewhere it's the first time I've done like a contract like this that has like an, an end date yeah and I've loved it it's been amazing it's really given me like a sense of here for a good time not for a long time and it's really um helped me like re-figure out in my head what it is to have an impact so when you like go in and do a job like yeah a lot of people start a new job um and they go okay like so in the first year I'm going to do this and then in the second year I'm going to do this I've never been a person that is able to like operate on that kind of planning anyway as I said I'm very driven by like novelty but and I th- I can be very I can be strategic and when I worked at that startup where I like developed the brand with them that was really strategic and that I had a huge long-term vision for mm-hmm. but I feel like I ran out of steam after that for a while and then the idea to just be like six months cool what can you do in six months okay Mm -hmm. let's find out and the idea that you I also am a person who gets very 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 emotionally invested in both teams and projects and brands not both all three um and it's I I, like I said earlier often tied my identity to a brand or something Mm -hmm. especially when you work for really amazing brands that become household names and everybody loves them you feel like a person that's like well how could I not work there like everybody loves that place like oh and you're like well it's not working for me that's why fine and that's okay um but I 
have really, really loved being like, it's just for this amount of time, then it will leave, then it then it will end, and I will leave, and that's okay. And yeah. you go into it knowing that, and it's it's kind of perfect. And also after yeah. a long time of being at a job for nearly two years where I wasn't unhappy for a long time, it also it also I think teaches you like what's your tolerance level. And I think it gives you a bit more perspective being like, that's fine. Like that thing that felt like the end of the world last week really, really, really isn't. Yeah. There are things that have happened or things that I've like really, really cared about that I would have cared about in a completely different way if I was there for a really, really long time, not for the short term. Yeah. And do you think as well, because I think for me in, in the back of my mind for a lot, a lot of my um, teaching career, I was kind of, maybe it was instilled in me by my parents I don't know or their generation but this idea that like you want a secure job you know security in a job is really important and then suddenly kind of having taken this not secure job that is going to end it doesn't feel scary it doesn't feel bad because actually I took a risk and found something and you did the same you took a risk and something came along and it kind of the world opened up for us I guess and I feel like that would probably just happen again if we believe yeah. it enough um work for it or you you have yeah. conversations and you put out what you want and people will respond yeah. to it I think that it's also like I think people think that the opposite of security is insecurity but mm. like instability but I, I think it's flexibility yes especially like in my way of things like I was saying earlier about those that list of brand values I'd come up with for myself flexibility was number one both yeah. in where I can work how I can work and I think contracting is this amazing thing of flexibility where you can go it's just for six months my grandparents my um my pappy who is he's my granddad but we call him pappy he's always had this thing so I've I've never worked anywhere longer than two years aside from top top actually yeah Uh, I've never worked anywhere longer than two years and he's always had this thing about it where he's like people will think that you are not a loyal person and I'm like okay Work doesn't work like that anymore. And also, like you, my parents, when I was growing up, were teachers as well. So their careers were built on, like, yeah. doing a job for a really long time and yeah. climbing a ladder in a different way, like being a teacher, then maybe becoming a head of department, maybe yeah. a head and then deputy head and head teacher. And my dad did all of those things, and now he's retired and he's had this amazing career. But I kind of have this thing, and this is something I say to mentors and uh, people that I mentor and especially, I think it's relevant in the creative industries. Do you want to climb a ladder for your experiences or do you want to gather them and like put them yes. in a basket? And I'm very much about having like a basket and being like, oh yeah, yeah, one time I worked for this amazing brand called Tony Chocoloni and it took me to Amsterdam for six months. And yeah. then I came back to London and then I did this and who knows what I'll do next. Yeah. And I really think that flexibility to just figure things out is amazing. And I feel very lucky that I have a career that where that is an option quite often and also that I'm able to do it myself as well I don't have children yeah. so you know I'm not tied to making big decisions like that yeah. or worrying about security in a way that I know parents are um so yeah I think that flexibility of it is I think also sometimes it's about framing things isn't it for yourself mm, definitely so to some people what insecurity is about being like oh what are you going to do at the end of March Whereas I'm like, that's opportunity. Yeah, what's the next opportunity? Yeah. 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 I love what you just said about gathering different different um, experiences and opportunities rather than climbing a ladder. I think that's, that is such a um, 
a brilliant way of 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 putting that. It's almost like you're you're good with words and yeah it's almost like that's what you do um, no but that is it's such a lovely um way of thinking about it and a and a, a way of reframing what a lot of people traditionally have, have felt about jobs um yeah. so no thank you for sharing that um I think we probably have to leave it there but thank you so so much for giving up your time um to talk to me today and and tell your really really inspiring story um it's been a real joy I feel like it wasn't even inspiring it was just lucky to have had that well, maybe but I mean it's I think whichever of those it is it, it's still really nice to hear and it, it it's a really interesting um journey that you've you know you've taken and, and also like who knows where where you'll go next and what will happen and it's really exciting to kind of imagine what those opportunities might be the things that you're going to gather um for your um kind of basket of experience in your life yeah, yeah. well thank you so much for having me this was such a joy it was so nice to chat to you <laughs> And to also celebrate the temporary contract and with Matt Leave covers. <laughs> All about the temporary contract. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, thank you. Thank you so thank much. Good. As you can probably tell, I had so much fun chatting to Emily. And if you'd like to know more about her work, then check out the show notes where you can find a link to her Substack page, Herdling with Emily Ash Powell. And if you want to hear more episodes like this, head over to shayhoney.substack.com where you can check out the previous 11 episodes in the Inspiring Creative Career Change series. I hope you'll join me again in two weeks time when I'll be welcoming another brilliant guest to the podcast. See you then. Goodbye.